Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez, and in this segment, we are going to be discussing the upcoming full moon on September 10th, 2022. Before we get started, I always like to remind you all that I study the Vedic sidereal system of astrology, which is different than the Western tropical system. If you would like to learn more about the difference between these two systems, go to my website, innerknowing.yoga, click on media, and then astrology. Now you will find a podcast embedded there that will help share a few of the differences between these two systems. And if you would like to calculate your birth chart, go to my website, go to offerings, and then chart where you will be able to calculate your Vedic sidereal birth chart to see where the plants were placed astronomically at the moment of your birth. So with that being said, if you're coming from a Western tropical background, the signs that I use in this podcast are not going to sound correct because I'm using the astrological placement. So if you were to hold a star app up to the sky and find the planets where they are literally sitting, that is going to be um, the placement that I use for this horoscope and for this podcast. So this upcoming full moon, again on September 10th, is going to take place at 4.57 a.m. Central Standard Time. So I do live in Austin, Texas, and I always use the Central Standard Time uh, for these forecasts. And speaking of Austin, Texas, I'm actually back. I had gone to the desert uh, with one of my best friends and it was so magical and mystical and inspiring. And then we came back and I remember on one of my previous podcasts, I was talking about how the things that refuel me are traveling and learning so I did some traveling and then I impulsively signed up for a um, silver smithing class. So I've been making jewelry <laughs> and learning how to do that. And I'm a complete beginner. So completely learner's mind. I love getting to be a student and to learn something again that I've never done before. And it's been highly, highly rewarding. I think it's going to be a long-term thing. My hope is that I can eventually make remedial jewelry. So if you have a debilitated moon or if you have an afflicted Mars, etc. In Jyotish, in Vedic astrology, we can use gemstones to support certain planetary energies. And so I love uh, metal smithing just because it's fun, but perhaps this is something I'll add over time. So getting into this full moon. <sighs> so remember that when we have a full moon, the moon and the sun are opposing one another. So that means that the moon is receiving as much light from the sun as it can. So if you were to step outside on September 10th um, in the morning or even the evening of the 9th, you'll be able to see this bright full moon in the sky. And the full moon is always a time of releasing and letting go. It's a time where the building phase, the cultivation phase comes to completion for the cycle of the moon, it's spent all month generating, building light, gaining light, and then it reaches its peak fullness. And then the light will begin to wane again. Light will be stripped and pulled away from the moon. Energy will be pulled away from the moon. And so this is why energetically, this is a great time to release, let 
go, get rid of old items, do a cord cutting ceremony, uh, sage yourself off. I actually need to do that myself. Sage yourself off, Palo Santo yourself off, um, getting rid of any energies that are hanging on to you that are not welcome anymore or, you know, have never been welcome. And as I was mentioning, if there are items that you want to get rid of, if there are pictures that you need to release, um, you know, maybe it could even be an emotional release. If there's anything in your life that you are inviting to go, <laughs> inviting to release, to set forth into the ethers and away from you, this is a good time to do that. So we always want to think about that when it comes to the full moon. And we also want to take into account that when the moon is full, people tend to be a little bit more energetic, a little bit more lively, maybe even rambunctious, risky, perhaps even aggressive or irritable. So it's a time to be more mindful driving. It's a time to be more mindful in general. We never want to do anything too risky around the full moon or even too impulsive. Okay. And so according to the sidereal system of astrology, this full moon is taking place in the sign, in the sidereal sign of Aquarius, which is futuristic, rebellious, revolutionary. It's also very scientific in its approach. It is very ingenious. That's what I always think about when I think about the sign Aquarius, but then it's also very eclectic. And I think what I appreciate most about the sign is that it really likes to imagine a world beyond limitations, beyond titles, limitations, um, labels. They're the ones who are always wanting to question societal standards and question status quo. You know, they are constantly wanting to revolutionize things, to revamp things, to question things. Such a fun, interesting sign. Of course, Aquarius also has this connection to alcoholism and numbing out as well. The, the nakshatra Shatabisha is held within Aquarius and that nakshatra specifically is associated to drinking. And so there are some lesser, um, savory qualities, if you will, to Aquarius, but we'll focus on some of the positive ones for now. I'll get into the negative ones later. More specifically, this full moon is taking place in the nakshatra of Purva Bajrapada. We've spent some time talking about Purva Bajrapada on this podcast and we're still going to, you know, continue to investigate, but a lot of you, if you've been following along, we've been discussing Porva Bajrapada because Jupiter has been moving through the Bajrapadas and this has been very significant in the world. Porva Bajrapada is associated to the funeral cot or the funeral pyre. And this is really interesting because when we think about a funeral pyre, we are burning impurities. We are burning the part of a jiva, of a soul that is no longer necessary. If you've heard that quote by Ram Das, I'm going <laughs> to, I don't have it in front of me verbatim, but he says that when we die, it's like taking off clothes that are too tight or taking off shoes that are too tight. And so we imagine it to be this scary, uncomfortable process, 
But really what's happening is that we are shedding what we no longer need. Our soul is ready to move towards a point of deeper evolution, of deeper knowing and deeper wisdom. And so though the funeral pyre is associated to death, yes, it's also associated to rebirth and it is associated to ridding ourselves of what is no longer necessary, ridding ourselves of the clothes that are too tight or the shoes that are too small in many realms of life. Rather it be relationally or when it comes to our career or when it comes to even our hobbies or facets of our identity, you know, we connect to these things in our life and sometimes we can make believe that that's who we are. But Purva Bhadrapada helps us understand that that's not who we are. We're something much deeper than that. We are not our job. We are not our hobbies. We're not even our name, you know, not our physical form, not our emotions, not our mind. We are that which is infinite. So Purva Bhadrapada, again, it has this connection to death, but also rebirth and this incredible allowing for massive spiritual development. Jupiter is the ruler of Purva Bhadrapada, the guru, right? Guru brings light to darkness. It is the dispeller of ignorance. That is the governor of Purva Bhadrapada. So there's this deep, innate wisdom, the spiritual awareness. But what is even more interesting <laughs> about Purva Bhadrapada is that even though it's the funeral pyre, it has this connection to death and rebirth. It has the ability to burn impurities to show us the essential self, the self with a capital S, the infinite I, if you will, that connects everybody. The deity for Purva Bhadrapada is the one-footed goat. And this is also associated to Naga, the serpent. And what's really fascinating about Naga, the serpent energy, is that it has the ability to awaken Kundalini. If you're unfamiliar with Kundalini, it is a, um, it's said to be a coiled snake at the base of our spine that awakens with certain practices and certain levels of awareness. And as we do our practices and as we grow in consciousness, that serpent is said to begin making its way up our spine, resulting in a kundalini awakening. And uh, many people will mess around with this. It's it's very, very serious. You know, kundalini is a very, very, very serious thing. Um, that's another tangent. <laughs> that I'll save for another time. But if someone's trying to get you to awaken Kundalini energy and they're not like a Vedic scholar, I would be really mindful. Okay. Um, but anyway, even though, you know, it's associated to the serpent that gives us awareness and awakening, the serpent also gives us this desire for material reality. What I'm thinking about is actually Rahu and Ketu, right? There are two sides of a snake. We have the head and then the tail. One side wants to disconnect us from material reality. The other side desperately wants us to cling to material reality. So Purva Bhadrapada holds this dichotomy where on one hand, it's trying to liberate us, to release what attaches us to material reality. While on the other hand, there is this tantric perspective, this tantric edge where it wants us to indulge in material reality. And so it is a very 
deep and profound nakshatra. And when I think about Purvabhadrapada, I think about what it means to be a human, where we have the capacity for deep spiritual insight and connection to other realms, while at the same time, peanut butter tastes excellent. People are attractive. You know, we live in this world of Prakriti, right? Prakriti is changing material reality. And in Prakriti, there are our senses. You know, we get to taste the peanut butter. We get to smell the patchouli. (laughs) We get to hear the sound of birds or the sound of beautiful music or the sound of someone that we love. You know, we have these senses and this ability to revel in this experience. And simultaneously, you know, we have the potential for liberation and moksha. And so what I love to think about is this idea of kind of playing between the two. And I do want to say, I know that there are some people out there where maybe you're working on certain renunciations, you're working on renouncing certain elements of material reality, and that is completely admirable. You know, when people are wanting to be monks or rishis, they undergo certain austerities where they renounce certain foods or they abstain from sexual practices. And if that is you, then... That is an amazing path to be on. And it's all about dharma in the end, right? A lot of us listening, our dharma is to be a householder. We have partners, we have children, we have jobs that help maintain society. And so these are completely uh, beautiful, wonderful dharmas. Right. And, and a part of that Dharma is being more in the senses and, you know, having access to, um, you know, not, not undergoing certain austerities that you would be if you were a monk or a Rishi. And so what I mean by that is that the majority of people eat peanut butter, they eat food handled by others. They engage in sexual activity. They are going to, you know, stay up late, maybe have alcohol. That's the majority of us. And coming back to this concept of dharma is that something to always remember, a really easy way to check ourselves dharmically is if it's harming anybody else, it is not dharmic, right? Unless there's like something with self-defense or something of that nature. But when we're engaging in these things, so long as it is not hurting anyone else, if it is not hurting ourselves, then, you know, It's something that we can explore and engage in. Essentially, when we open ourselves up to Prakriti, if we already have a pre-existing spiritual mindset, we can find God, we can find spirit in every act. But it takes that kind of pre-existing template. Because if we have someone who's already all about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, then they need to be roped in a little bit. You know, they need help finding God and other things first. (laughs) And so this is where that balance comes in. And we kind of need to figure out where we are uh, on the scale. Is it that we need to release the reins when it comes to letting go a little bit, right? When it, when it comes to allowing ourselves to have a little bit more fun, to allow ourselves to have a little bit more indulgence, to um, kind of connect in new and interesting ways, rather it be through a TV show or through music. That was another thing. I like refuse to go to concerts. Now I'm open to going to concerts. It's the same, you know, um, for you, you're going to have your own things, but 
opening ourselves up to new music, opening ourselves up to new food or new experiences, not being so rigid in that way. Some of you may need to be a little bit more open and and take ourselves a little bit less seriously so that we can really enjoy this one life that we have, right? We, We need to feel the sweetness. And if you are feeling the sweetness with austerity, then you're doing fine. All I'm trying to invite you all to contemplate is are you... Um, really allowing yourself to indulge a little bit? Or are you (laughs) really in this other lane where you're really enjoying, you know, uh, the sweetness of the material realm and you're really desiring this, this other space that has more structure and stability and consistency to help guide your life and shape it up. Because when we don't have direction, you know, it's, it's difficult to build. It's difficult to build anything when we don't have consistency, when we don't have direction, when we don't have the container that spiritual life provides us right? That's Purusha. Purusha is the all-pervading consciousness. It's a, it's a spacious container that holds Prakriti within it to play. So if we don't have a connection to that container, we're out of control. We have to have this connection to the container, right? So that is a little bit on Purva Bhadrapada. Some other notes that I was thinking about is regardless of where you are, regardless of where you are on the scale, this is about radical self-acceptance about where you are, right? Because at the end of the day, we're going to be in the funeral pyre. At the end of the day, we are going to leave this material body. All of us, you know, none of us are going to make it out alive in this physical form. This is our opportunity to spend time with this incarnation of ourself, this incarnation, this ego, this human suit that we're in, this is the one time it's ever going to exist. So I invite you all to consider this radical self-acceptance, this radical self-love, this appreciation, and this commitment to living life in a way that feels meaningful to you, that feels valuable to you. If you want to, you know, experience more Prakriti before the end, if you want to experience more Purusha, you get to decide where you're going to lean. But commit, make that commitment to yourself. And then also, of course, radically accept where you are. There's nowhere else you need to be. My teacher, Rishi, he said, um, I was upset over something. I don't know. I'm always upset about something. I was upset about something. He said, you're upset because you think that something is wrong. He's like, everything is exactly as it needs to be in this moment. So there it is. Everything is exactly as it needs to be. We only get upset if we think that something is wrong with the present moment. Hmm. When we have that level of detachment... It liberates us to play. It liberates us to fully be present in the moment with where we are. It, it truly is what Purva Bhadrapada has this really strong connection to, this kind of, um, this purification, this surrender to the mystery in a way. Because when, when someone goes into the funeral pyre, right, there's a purification process, there's heat There's tapas, you know, commitment to doing better, commitment to um, evolving, to evolution. 
But then there's also this mystery because no one knows exactly what happens. No one knows exactly how things work in a way we can, you know, philosophize. But with astrology, with tarot, with mysticism, there's always this divine mystery that none of us are going to be able to figure out. And I owe my teacher, Ishii, uh, that knowledge. So I want to offer that to you as well. So on this full moon on September 10th, 2022, I hope that you have something to contemplate on the scale of property and uh, playfulness, but then also your spiritual life. Are we trying to loosen up a little bit more? Are we trying to invite more play in, more indulgence in, or is it time for us to get a better grip on our life? Is it time to rein ourselves in? so that we can create a container for ourselves and really begin to build our life in a strong and powerful way. That's the tapas. Tapas is reining ourselves in, committing ourselves to a greater something. Also, of course, radical self-acceptance. Because the full moon is a time of releasing and letting go, if self-acceptance is something that you're struggling with, maybe it's you know, an opportunity to write a list of things that you haven't been accepting about yourself or that you've been rejecting that you haven't been letting grow. Maybe it's a desire that you have or a dream that you have. Maybe you don't believe that you have the time or the skill in order to do something, but regardless of what it is, write it down. You know, I reject X, Y, and Z about myself and I'm releasing this and letting this go. Or I repress emotion. I don't let myself feel sadness. I don't let myself show sadness. I'm going to let that go. I'm going to break that habit. I'm going to start working towards it. It could be, I have this narrative that I don't have time to bake. Is it true that you don't have time to bake? (laughs) A lot of the time we tell ourselves that story, but in reality, it's just about kind of allocating time a little bit better. So whatever it is, that you've been denying yourself or that you've been restricting in yourself or that you've been withholding or again, a judging. This is an opportunity to release that into the ethers, you know, kind of let this funeral pyre burn it up and do with it what it will. So that is the full moon. The full moon is also aspected by Venus and K2. So this is a very spiritual full moon. It's a very artistic and creative full moon. Purva Bhadraputta is incredibly creative. It has this association to Prakriti. Prakriti is all about creativity. So you may be feeling more creative or expressive. It's definitely a wonderful time for fun and lightheartedness. With the aspect of K2, it's also very... Um, intuitively deepening. So we all may feel a little bit more clairvoyant, a little bit more intuitive, um, maybe even nostalgic thinking about the past. In the world around us, we want to be mindful. Purva Bhadrapada is an intense nakshatra. So there definitely can be some events that are more challenging and more difficult at this point in time. So have that on your radar. Again, I would avoid risky things around this time period. Mercury is retrograding by this time and will remain retrograde until October 2nd. Remember that when Mercury is retrograding, it's always a time to revise, renew, reorganize, um, reestablish. In the sign of Virgo, which is where Mercury is retrograding, this is an especially good time to review how we communicate, how we engage, how we communicate our own ideas, um, It's also a good time to look at how we 
interact with other people just on a day-to-day basis. It could be in our email or on our Instagram. You know, if we have some sort of website, it's an excellent time to go through a website and re-verbalize things if you want, or clarify things that you need to clarify. I would just have someone else look it over to make sure you don't make any mistakes, but anything like that, it's a great time to go back and renew them. Mercury retrograde in Virgo is also an amazing time to clean up around your office, to get rid of papers that you don't need anymore. Definitely back up all of your work. When Mercury retrogrades, there tends to be more electronic crashes, app glitches, you know, email issues, anything online, anything with technology is subject to go awry. So back up your work save things, print things in advance. Um, Of course, with cars, we always want to be mindful of vehicles and travel as well. Transportation can also be delayed or there can be some issues traveling. So that's just kind of a brief synopsis on Mercury Retrograde. I covered it a little bit more extensively in the September horoscope. So if you want to learn more, you can go there. This is our last month until eclipse season. So this is kind of like a little lull of a month. I definitely recommend um using this period as a time to release and let go and purge and cut ties palo santo because the eclipses are going to come in hot and they're going to bring up a lot of karmic things to the surface so definitely use this as a purification month on september 12th neptune is retrograding back into aquarius until february 18th 2023 so we spoke a lot about neptune being in pisces and the issues that could occur with neptune and pisces and the benefits as well and now we have neptune going back into aquarius and so remember that neptune and aquarius Uh, it brought a lot of really interesting things to the surface. It brought a lot of information to the surface that we weren't necessarily anticipating. In the United States birth chart, Neptune is in the third house. When it retrogrades back to Aquarius, it's in the third house for the United States, which is all about media and advertising and things like that. So notice what comes up. We may experience some new interesting information come to the surface. Aquarius is also the sign of humanitarian efforts and revolution. So with Neptune here, we may also see people wanting to come together, wanting to combine forces, wanting to collaborate. With Neptune being here, um, it may feel a little disjointed. It may feel a little bit disillusioned. There may be some some you know challenges here. I think that things are going to be a lot easier come January. January of 2023 is when Saturn moves into Aquarius, Saturn is going to help shape things up. So into 2023, we're going to see really powerful gestures made by people to reclaim power, to come together, to collaborate, to join forces, to bring power, you know, back to individuals. Saturn in Aquarius is going to help with that. Neptune in Aquarius, it, you know, kind of brings some more uh, interesting energy to it. Neptune, it's illusionary, right? It's kind of deceptive. So we may see some things kind of try to start up. It'll be uh, interesting to see what happens with that, okay? 
Venus is in its Gandanta degrees between August 29th and September 3rd. So when y'all hear this, it won't really be applicable, but I wanted to share in case you felt anything in your own personal life. Love and romance is just a little bit more sensitive and tender. Things may feel a little bit more aggressive or volatile or emotional in this time period. So just try to ride it out until after September 3rd. Venus in Leo, again, after that period is going to be pretty sweet. On September 14th, I want you to be mindful. This is when the moon is in Barney. So the moon moves through this nakshatra every month, but every month it's moving into this nakshatra with Rahu and with Uranus. So sudden unexpected things can happen. It's definitely been happening in my life literally every single time the moon moves through Barney. So I want you all to watch out for it. September 14th, mindful of sudden unexpected events. Okay. So that is what I have on the radar. I want to see if there's anything else that I want to share with you. I think that that's it. I really like saving the new and full moon forecast to just dive a little bit deeper into some philosophy and spiritual ideas and concepts. We talk a little bit more about the astrology on the other podcasts typically, um, but hopefully that was helpful. Hopefully you learned something new, at least about Porva Bajrapada, and you have some things to contemplate with the full moon. If you want to know how this full moon will impact you directly, you can sign up for Patreon. It's patreon.com slash astrology now podcast. I have some really interesting, cool changes happening there. The inner knowing Vedic coaching program is kicking off yet again on October 22nd, 2022. And the inner knowing Vedic coaching program is a program that I built that incorporates the Vedic sciences. And so we talk a lot about spirituality. We construct a daily sadhana, spiritual practice. We talk about yoga. We talk about Ayurveda, the science of life, learning more about our physical constitution and how to support it. And then we talk extensively about our individual birth chart and how to use that information to our advantage for the rest of our lives. I kind of set you guys up to use it as a map. And so I do want to say for that program, I limit it. I think I'm only going to take seven people this time. So if you're interested, go to my website, innerknowing.yoga, click on offerings, and then you'll find the coaching program there. And otherwise I am booking readings really far out at innerknowing.yoga, click on offerings and then readings. And my Instagram is astrology now underscore podcast. Otherwise, I think that that's all I have to say. I hope that you have a beautiful full moon with a lot of radical self-acceptance and a lot of room for transformation and change with whatever that is for you, whatever that looks like. And I will see you all next week. Again, my name is Christine Rodriguez. This is Astrology Now, and I will talk to you all very soon.